episode of Winning with AI. Today, I'm joined by Tom Ollerton, the founder of Automated Creative. Thanks for coming on, Tom. My absolute pleasure, man. Good to see you. So, Tom, you are the founder of Automated Creative, uh, a creative effectiveness platform, uh, and the ambition is to stop the billions of media dollars that are being wasted every day on ineffective ads. You work with companies such as Mars, P&G, uh, Diageo, Reckitt, Haleon, Bose, Brown and Foreman, and McDonald's, just to name a few. And I know there's a few more you've been working with recently. Uh, you are also the host of the Shine New Object podcast and advertise what uh, advertisers watching ads. Um, I re- really enjoy both of them, um, especially the ads one. Some of the oh. funny ads and responses, absolutely love. Um, yeah, but yeah, is there anything else you want to want to add? I think you've got it right. Our, our ambition is to stop these billions media dollars that have been wasted on ineffective ads yeah, yeah. We, we really want to make ad creative that works so our platform what it does is it makes and optimizes ad creative using live data and insight so mm-hmm. we're not a creative agency that makes an ad sets it and then forgets it we're not just a data platform that just crunches stuff in the background we kind of mix both of those things yeah. And we've optimized 6 billion impressions for the likes of Mars, PNG, Diageo, Reckitt, Haley on Bose, Brown Foreman, McDonald's, and so on. Um, and what, we're able, what we've been able to do is prove that we can increase the performance of an overall media budget by around 17%. Um, so our focus is to really make our technology like a non-negotiable part of all digital ad campaigns and crucially put an end to those ineffective ads. That's great. Enough for now (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so cheers for coming on it's really good to have you on um and i was really excited to talk to you about ai trends in 2024 but specifically you obviously work in kind of the creative industry and uh this year the whole purpose of what my creative has been is trying to save money and be more efficient using data it'd be really good to get some of your thoughts on what's going to happen in 2024 and it might be a good place to start what happened kind of at the end of this this quarter so q4 i know you've recently done a report if that's right yeah yeah that's right i could share that uh yeah so well in terms of terms of the report what we did was we analyzed six billion of uh, the own impressions that we've optimized over the years and we also interviewed a network of senior global marketers so the shiny object and advertise watching ads have got their own little communities on whatsapp and so we can kind of dip into that and so it was a, a report that looked at the you know the facts, the data, but also like people's opinion, and and it was really interesting to see that of the of the six billion impressions that we've optimized, when you use our process of automation, which includes some machine learning and AI and automation, but also human soft skills as well, brands are seeing a seventeen percent uplift in the value of their media spend. So we can make that media spend act as if it's 17% larger. And in the conversion space, and that's getting people to you know go through and convert and spend yeah. money, our process elevates that media spend by 53.3%. So it's there's a, a, an opportunity there for brands to make their media much more effective using what, what we do. So in terms of um, predicting what's going to happen, we think there's going to be a, a, a tipping point where at some point... Night, uh, someone will, uh, I don't know, as ASICs will realize that Nike and Adidas are doing it. So, like, right, I can't, we can't not do this. And then there'll be this tip. Whereas historically, we've been a kind of thing you add on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in our report, I think it was 30% of marketers don't do any type of live optimization. 
That's scary. So if so, if we've proved you can <laughs> you can you can elevate it by seventy percent, and your thirty percent aren't doing it at all. I mean, it was some crazy number, like twenty percent of brands don't even have access to any kind of dashboard that's showing them how their campaign's performing. So there's a lot of creative going out in one direction and not a lot coming back. Um, so the trend for us is we believe, and we're betting our business on it, that the industry is going to realise that uh, to not to not optimise is is going to be a disaster for them. So that's yeah. I mean, that's it's just. I think you just triggered like the data because I'm quite data driven um, in terms of marketing. That's why I've kind of focused on the growth area. And oh god, not having a dashboard would kill me. I think. Uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, the the figures that you just mentioned. I mean, that speaks for itself. Especially if I think back to obviously when we initially had the conversations when I was at Eon um, and why I was like really interested in it. I mean, 17% just increasing impressions and that conversion rate means you're targeting the right people as well. So it's not that you get more, but you're getting the right people looking at them to increase the conversion so rate. So it's not a 17% increase on impressions just to, to, to get a bit nerdy about yeah, it. Yeah. It's it's 17% increase in the value of the media spend. So if you spent okay. a million right. quid, it, the, it would act as if you'd spent 17% more cash as opposed yeah. to the click-through rate going up by 17 percent. so that's quite that a, makes sense quite a, a subtle but important difference i think yeah when you're looking at, at data but i mean that's probably better because you're getting cash value return impressions are great but you want to get that that extra value yeah, on yeah there. absolutely and another thing we came across recently actually is we um we were hearing a lot back from media agencies that um that meta had told them that the most optimal number of ads you could have in a campaign was between two and eight and and we've always said it's much more than that. But actually, we went through the data and proved that it sits somewhere between fifteen and kind of thirty-five. I think it is for the most optimal number of ads. And, and once again, that's proved with like billions of impressions for some of the biggest brands in the world delivering performance all the way through the funnel, right? So it's not just our opinion; it's the it's the facts, it's the data. So brands have got a bit of a problem on their hands. Like they can't just make can't just sling it over the agency can make, oh, can you make a couple of versions of this ad to be compliant with Meta? Actually, you need far more than an agency is re realistically going to be able to supply for a decent cost at a decent speed. And that's where we come in. Yeah, and I think that's some really good points because it's the the volume of ad and, and the cost is, even for an enterprise business, um, being able to do that at scale and speed is just not really too efficient. Um uh, so it'd be really interesting to see how it goes. I think one of the interesting things around the the data points and being understanding what you're able to actually get back from um, your ads and being able to see how they're all performing and that level of volume as that increases becomes more and more complex. Um, I can only imagine as well next year that brands who aren't doing this are going to just really struggle to understand where this, if they're not already, but where the spend's actually going. Um, and I guess that's a combination of machine learning, data analytics, AI, but also it's going to be how humans decide to to use that information and, and kind of, as you said, I can't believe only 30%, was it, uh, are actually optimizing of marketers that are actually so 30% are, aren't optimizing. So 70% yeah, are doing some, and that could mean media optimization. So that means well, that's, that they're, yeah. they're not like setting and forgetting a campaign someone's going in and going audience B is doing better than C and A or whatever. Um, but that, so there's a subset of that is people who are actually doing what we do, right? Which is creating a hypothesis about audience, producing lots of ads to test that hypothesis, 
seeing which ads perform and be, having the technology to be able to crunch the reasons why that's performing. And that's what we always say is like, why is your ad performing well? Like mm-hmm. literally every brand in the world should have a spreadsheet somewhere that says this was our best performing ad, but there's not a column next to it that says why it's the best performing ad. That's really, really rare. And that's the thing we, 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 I don't know why, but we find it fascinating. That's what gets us out of bed in the morning is to be able to tell brands, look, this is why your, your ads are working. Um, and on that, I know we, we kind of chatted around a few points earlier, but why with the rise of, of automation and AI next year, uh, interestingly, the, from the kind of last podcast we had, one thing we talked about was that education to innovation phase, which feels like this might move into an innovation phase of AI but actually starting to be used more and adopted more because people understand in 2023 what it is and now it's kind of moving into a bit more of an innovation area so where brands are going to be looking at um looking at what you offer for example and seeing all the stats now you've got all that that hard knowledge and kind of awareness of it it's moving into that in terms of AI kind of content creation and generative AI how do you think that's going to be impacted next year because there's so much of it at the moment um some people say is it saturated? is it what is it going to grow more uh, and how do you think it's going to impact obviously you're working in the advertisement world do you think that's going does it are you seeing any impact on it uh well we, we have a gen ai integration within our platform so it's it's being used and i i'd, I'd push back that uh i think that it's it's not in the innovation st- it was in the innovation stage when we started this six years ago you know it was yeah. like the whole the whole premise of automated creative was like you know how, how can we get rid of ineffective ads by using these kind of technologies like how is it going to make a not advertising faster or uh or cheaper but better right what can we do to make advertising mm-hmm. better um, so the mistake brands are making at the minute is that they're thinking, brilliant, Gen AI, I can get the same thing quicker and cheaper, which is fine. Did you 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 may be able to do that? And certainly, and you know, if you want someone to write generic copy for some for a social ad, yeah, you can crack that out in, in seconds now. That's fine. So if if it's good enough, which in some cases it, it is. If you got a like a a pro ChatGPT license, you got Dolly like hooked up in that now. Um, so you can access that kind of technology very cheaply and very quickly. But then again, so can everyone else, right? So if you have got like three identical shoe brands, trainer brands, oh brilliant, we can up, we can we can all save ourselves twenty percent in time and energy and cost using yeah. this technology. But then so so can everyone else. It's just a new. It just becomes a new zero, right? So that's that'll that'll take forever and people will work that out but the opportunity is to ask what can we do differently that we couldn't do before this so i was um actually i give you a, a bit of an insight i interviewed uh, grant mckenzie who's the cmo at asahi uh, europe international on 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 the shiny new uh, shiny new object podcast this morning um and his his brilliant quote is i'm gonna use this all the time if you're not better than ai then i don't need you oh brilliant <laughs> So, um, and what he's saying is like that the way that they're going to use it is they, they're going to use Gen AI to get rid of like some of the slow, mundane, boring stuff that gets in the way yeah. of big thinking. Because someone like Asahi, they have to come up with a creative platform that works in the UK and in China and in America, like pr- pretty much. Um, and that's hard for, for any brand, let alone like a, a beer yeah. brand. 
Um, so that's what he wants to spend his time on. I thought that was a lovely articulation of that. So let's just let's just automate some of the basic stuff and free up time for the big thinking because the big thing is what matters. I like that. And then that's the that's the good balance of people and AI and what, what AI is good at because it's that yeah, the the big thinking. That's a pretty good phrase. I'm enjoying that. Um that's really, yeah, really, really interesting. So the innovation side, when I mean that as well, I guess what we mean is probably more of an education of buyers and bigger businesses. When the businesses are looking at it, they now have gone through the the year, probably say this year of looking at everything that's happened because of the explosion of Gen AI in terms of mass adoption. And next year, it's more about, not necessarily about cloud apps, for example, and the sales AI businesses. We work with, you know, some of the you know, Irish software group, we work, you know, Anderson Hauser, huge companies which um have adopted it and are using it and it's built into the way they behave now and it's a blend between people and using the ai to do probably exactly what you just said which is replace the the mundane tasks or the just the crunching of of data that can be done by an ai system but it's allowing them to then look at it and say actually what can we now figure out with that data and i think that comes back to the why for your creative back earlier on which is really interesting um, yeah, miss what 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 are you going to do differently that you can't already do right i mean fundamentally the way like ai is trained on data right so if you said if, if you and i set up a burger company right like right it's gonna be the cool burger company and we're gonna write write some copy for our cool burger company on a website right it's gonna do it's gonna look at like god knows how million how many burger websites and advertising articles or whatever and then it what it will do is it will generate an approximation of what that what that good is mm -hmm. but it's only based on all of the things that have come before right whereas true marketing is the ability to reframe a, a product in a market so it appears different and preferential than other things in that market so i think so that's my, uh... so my so my thing is that well what like you know how is ai gonna help us to come up with new ideas that are are in a white space that are in an uncontested area right so it's so it so it does come back with a description for a burger or a burger company that makes us completely different from everyone else whereas at the minute it's kind of trained not to do that it's trained to approximate everything else so you just say oh write some copy about our burger restaurant and, and it'll come back. Whereas I'm always trying to work out or use that technology. Like how can we use it to spot the thing that isn't there? Yeah. Because our, because our industry is trained on this idea of best practice, which we've discussed this before, which is copying, right? Like what, what are all the big brands doing? Let's copy them because then we can be a big brand too. Whereas in reality, everyone starts copying each other. Then literally no one's marketed. Imagine a bunch of market stalls where everyone copies each other. It would be impossible to, you know, you, you buy from the first one because it's closest to you. Do you know what I mean? So I'm trying to work out, right, okay, how can you use this technology to help me see things that a human couldn't possibly see and then base creative off that? And yeah, it's it's. I think it's a really interesting point because it's something that's been mulling around in my mind. What will happen next year? Um, and if, whether you think we'll reach a saturation point because if AI at the moment does just look back on in terms of the, some of the, the Gen AI stuff, like the burger example, it would, would just look back on everything, as you've said, and basically try and come up with that. Is there a point where everyone's adopting AI uh, in terms of that type of Gen AI, so creating all those posts, and then it's going to be just constantly, are we going to hit like a stagnation point of AI-generated content because it's all based on the same stuff? So if it's all being created by AI content, 
where are we going to get that pioneering difference? Uh, and I feel like this is where you're, you have the differences when you ask the why and try and move into that space. But for other companies, um, do you think you'll see, will there be a stagnation point, do you think? I think it, it's going to come down to how good your, your prompt is. You know? like, I mean, the story that I tell was I was, I was going camping um, with my family and there's two five-year-olds in the back. And so I got ChatGPT to write a quiz to entertain them, the Lightning McQueen and all this kind of stuff. And then I said, we were talking about Pokemon and there was some debate about whether the Pokemon questions were accurate or not because the lad lived in Japan for a bit. So then I said, right, look, give me 10 questions about Pokemon in Japanese, but then translate them phonetically into English, right? So I'm not going to say that now because I sound like me speaking very bad Japanese, but it just about work, just about get the point yeah, across, yeah. right? So like that um, one is, oh, like write a quiz for two five-year-olds. That's relatively sort of interesting. But then it's like, well, what, what, what isn't there, right? Okay, well, what isn't there as a translation? What isn't there as a as a phonetic thing? So it's like, how can how can that how can your prompt ask questions about things that aren't there as opposed to just copying things that that are or are apparent? Um, but I think that the ultimate thing that's going to happen is that, and this came from Amy Wright, who's our global head of strategy. So what she said is, is there's going to be a collapse in the production schedule. So instead of like mm -hmm. some with an idea and some doing a board and doing a shoot and they're coming back and everyone scratching their chin, certain businesses, that's just all going to collapse, right? So they'll be like, right, we want to sell burgers to Gen Z in the north of England um, and we want to be dynamic and unconventional and whatever. And like, and and the ad will appear. Like I think it was, I can't remember the name of the, one of the, the visual AI companies, the founder was on a podcast saying that, um, um, that you'll say a goodnight story to your kids and in, in the morning they'll watch the movie of that story you just told them. We've done that with a snowman very recently. Right, okay. Because it's Christmas, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so so it's like there's, there won't, they, they, that whole production process will, will vanish. So ideation and execution will become the same thing at some yeah. point. Like, so, uh, I mean, I'm sure that, I don't know, Nike will always want to do some like amazing thing with whoever the influencer of the moment is in a very high production place. But that 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 is going to be the, the, the smallest chunk of advertisers where the reality is if it's like my stepbrother-in-law's clothing company, you know, he, he can just have a, a TV spot in, in a few minutes. So and ask the question again, it's like once everyone can make everything instantaneously, what are you going to do to differentiate? Yeah. So I don't, I don't think it's going to be a saturation point, but it, they'll, they, at some point, if everyone can make everything, then everyone will make everything. So therefore, what's going to cut through? And we believe that it's about having the right data on those ads. So um, historically, advertising has never had a feedback loop. What happens is you mm -hmm. make an ad, you put it out on media, and then afterwards, everyone goes, did that work? And someone goes, yes, we've got a click-through rate of X. And we go, cool. So then the next ad comes around, what should we do this time? Well, I don't know. We've got a click-through rate of X. So no one knows anything. And then you see focus groups, and you've got 20 people claiming some BS that you, you bought them pizza, so they're just going to say some nonsense or the creative agency is going to go and find the data to back up what they think is a cool idea, right? It's just crazy. Whereas what we do is we produce ads, a large scale of ads that optimize over time based on the feedback. And so essentially those ad campaigns become brands research campaigns simultaneously. Okay. So when we Makes report sense. back to when we report back to a brand, we're able to report back and say, "Look, here's the written and visual elements that drove the outcome that the media was supposed to." So you can either 
completely ignore that, or you can use that as the foundation for your next thing. Be that another sprint of ads or be that another campaign. So that makes sense. It's almost, would I be right in saying, um, so next year potentially will be a point where everyone can do everything, whether they are at that point or not. Um, the key differentiator is going to be, because the prompting is almost going to be the the thinking and the, the workshopping and the, you know, the creative sessions that you're talking about. So it's going to be a, a case of, all the information you've just said about the research points is going to be vital actually for the whole success of your next round, because as you say, and you understanding the why is going to be crucial. Um, <laughs> I was getting flashbacks when you were talking about some of those examples there, you know, yeah. Were they good or not? Yeah. We got this click through it. It's like, brilliant. Let's try and do that again, but slightly different. But <laughs> again, <laughs> the only recording of it is yeah it had a good click-through rate and we got conversions um but asking the why sounds so simple but i know it doesn't happen in, in a lot of companies um so actually you, you get the information you'll do it you'll take it in and maybe try different ideas but it's going to be how then you prompt the eye as you're saying and what you do at the moment it'll be very much a, you can go into the channel that you're after potentially based on part of the research you know the best channels that perform for you or, in fact, if it completely removes the entry and kind of barriers, um, you can just go to most channels because it's not like channels are siloed as much anymore. You can There's plenty of tools out there which let you push ads to, and as you obviously do, many different formats and modes for that channel. <laughs> it's not like you used to have to post in, in individual channels and go into every campaign manager and do it because that would just be a, a time barrier as well. So is that fair to say? Yeah, um, I, I think another way of looking at it, and it was actually your question prompted me to think about this but more uh, before the, the show, you're talking about multimodal, multimodal AI, which seems needlessly complicated as a term, but essentially <laughs> you've got lots of different ways of interacting with an AI. ChatGPT, it's text, but now you can do it with with video or with audio or with so you need lots of different modes or multimedia AI might be a slightly better way of phrasing it. So you can put lots of things in. So I think there's going to be a time when um, all of that data crunching could happen kind of synthetically, right? So you've got all of your data back from the ad platform. So we could prove that it was, you know, for a certain brand, it was ads that talked about a feeling of connection to your your loved ones that drove the best performance, for example. But then yeah. like, well, what's, what are the biggest shows on Netflix at the same time? You know, what's happening in the news? Like actually starting to pull in lots of different social and cultural data as well as ad data to actually help inform what happens next because the the kind of dark truth about advertising is no one ever really talks about the context right so if if you see a uh, like a burger ad for argument's sake and you've just watched a netflix documentary about veganism you're going to feel very different about that than if you've had <laughs> no lunch and three pints you know what i mean like it's the context within which you see the ad irrespective of your demographic background will radically change how you how you feel about it so i, I can't imagine it's gonna happen in in q1 but brands have sitting on this like huge ton of data whether it's like shopper data or like um the loyalty schemes or the, the ad recall like all of this data everywhere but at one point that's all going to be synthesized to give people much more actionable intelligence on what ad to make so brands can be truly reactive and certainly with gen ai you'd hope with some brands in some markets for some outputs they'll be able to pull an ad 
out instantly and get it live in market to react to all of those things. So, um, you think that'll be yeah, next year or no? I, I, I don't know. I'm famously <laughs> not very good at predicting the future. Um, uh, it's it's always hard to know how quick these things are going to come around. But ultimately, yeah, there's the, the advertising will be very different. I mean, I was speaking at a Google event a, a little while ago and when I asked the room, I said, like, what ad would you make if you could make anything? And someone said, so I can't remember the name. It was a really great point. They said, well, I wouldn't make an ad. Hmm. And are we, are we going to start to see experiences that aren't really like ads? You know, if you, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, maybe at some point you're going to be able to produce like full immersive experiences, you know, like not just like little bits of video or content or tweets or whatever, but like kind of full, you know, deep immersive uh, digital experiences, be it on a, like a laptop or some different device. Um, or multimodal. So, multimodal, in fact. You know, do you know what I mean? So like I, so, I, I, what excites me is just extrapolate, extrapolate, extrapolate. How, how much further can you go? You know, is is the end at some point with will TV ads be like completely personalized to to you and what's going on in your your biometrics and all that kind of stuff? And do you know there are any questions about um uh, quantum AI? Like I'm not even gonna pretend that I really understand all of that stuff, <laughs> but the but the idea is is that the processing will become so huge that I think in like five to ten years advertising may not be recognizable as it is today. Yeah, and I think yeah, that mean you I think you've hit a really, really good point, which is kind of been going off my head as you're talking there, which is the, the I feel like the saturation of AI generated content and things like that is one very, very small part and point where it will get saturated, but then people innovate, as we always have. So when you then look at multimodal, so like Google, for example, have released their their version of it, which is going to be allow for a single interface to host to basically go across voice, like camera vision and that's where i see exactly when you talk about that experiences it's like actually it might be next year um and it could possibly i think there'll be forms of it probably not for a few years time that we see it properly being used kind of in the mainstream but effectively you could build experience on an individual basis because you know again it'd be naive to think that a lot of organizations don't have enough data on us to be able to do them anyway know what we're watching um they can probably Find out what you what your preferences for food. Talk go back to the burger place. You wouldn't do a, a burger advertisement, a meat burger to someone who's a vegan. Um, you wouldn't do that, would you? So because you probably have that knowledge, uh, you'd be able to get that data. So you can create that full on experience, which is immersive, and it's going to become more and more reachable and also achievable on the right channel for that right person. And it reminds me a little bit. So we this is going to sound a sidestep a bit of a way, but we've got a sales forecasting tool and we've almost had very similar conversations about it. So at the moment, it forecasts out based on your pipeline and things like that. But interestingly, we said, well, what about the wider world? So what about um, things that happen in the macro environment, uh, purchasing decisions that might be going on, all of that sort of stuff. And we're like, that's going to have to come in the top as well to then give you an output of what your forecast is going to be. And it's from a marketing point of view, um, I've worked in marketing longer. So kind of, it just feels like both of those sides are going to make a lot more sense. So you're going to be able to understand from a business point of view, how your customer is being impacted, but then how to talk to them and how that can potentially close. So it's going to get smarter and smarter with, with more intelligence. Quantum AI is an interesting one. So I, I remember speaking to a, a Dutch scientist at a Microsoft event quite a long time ago when quantum AI first came out. And he explained that by saying, 
imagine a maze. Um, today's fastest computer in the world will try every single route to get to the middle of the maze. And the difference between that and quantum is quantum will try every route at the same time and get to the middle. So that's the the key shift in the behavior because it's not ones and zeros anymore. And I'm not a quantum computer builder by any chance. So there might be people listening uh, who I'm sure will know a lot more. Um, I bet they're all listening to marketing podcasts. <laughs> I think I mean, why, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just think it's shorthand for just fancy computers, to be honest. Like, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, go. much considerably faster. Um, but I think what's when, in, one thing you said to me, actually, is the point I'd like to make is that the big thing that will change it'd be interesting what james paul had to say about this is that when llms things like ChatGPT and bard uh, you can talk to them and get the same kind of feedback and with some form of like emotional nuance or reactivity that's when things are going to get really weird because right, right now you're, yeah. sort of, you're tapping in and, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. But, you, I mean, you've, you'll have seen stuff over the years where people have fallen in love with chatbots and all this kind of crazy stuff. There's been like enough of those stories to to show you that it's possible. But really, when when you talk to Alexa, it's it's like your thick mate, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you can't understand where. But if you had a sort of chat, chat GPT level of quality coming back through voice, and then you transport that across to things like, you talk to Netflix, you go, yeah. Netflix, I've had a shit day at work. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to watch any of that crap about real life drama or whatever. Just give, t- help me take my mind off this, you know? And it's totally yeah. conceivable that, that that experience may be um, a lot a lot more personalized, a lot, a lot more verbal. And then the reason I think why that is so scary is that there will start to be occasions when our relationships with our devices will be more meaningful than some of our human devices, our human interactions or relationships. Yeah. So, you know, like if, if, I mean, I reckon my relationship with ChatGPT and I use it for, for uh, coaching, counseling, uh, songwriting, business planning, like I use it for all, all areas and walks of my life. I'd say I'm much more attached to ChatGPT than some really boring people I've met for the last few years. Um, and I was and... like, do, do you want to go to the pub with a boring person, or do you want to sit there and chat to chat GPT? Um, you know, like it's it's it, for me personally, it's hanging in the balance. But at some point, that's gonna, absolutely. Do you want to hang out with your auntie Maud, or do you want to chat chat a chat GPT or similar about you know this thing that you love that it knows all about and will un- unendingly talk to you about um, you know bass riffs on Beatles B sides as it you know, probably would be for me. Yeah, I mean. Will ChatGPT drink in the future? No. Uh, <laughs> um, well, maybe you could ask it to to be drunk. It might do that. You know, it's quite. Can good. you? Can you? Yeah. I mean, technically, you know, have the emotional side of it. Get it to <laughs> to start to to lower its uh, its ability in phrases just to be match the <laughs> so level of how many beers you've had. That's that's twenty twenty four prediction right there. Um, <laughs> on on all this though, there's probably one big topic in here which you haven't covered yet, which was ethics and regulation and this is a i mean a one i feel like it's shifting all the time because of ai feels like it's innovating so quickly and like multimodal you know you talk about agi quantum age, loads of different things but there is a, an ethics line because i guess the the whole point of marketing and sales and, and ai is we are kind of gradually hacking more and more into our kind of human kind of psyche and being able to react, react to emotions and being able to react to 
what we engage with in light as humans by even today's you know creative that's created by ai based on colors and whether it's just hacking certain parts um where where's the line with the ethics and regulation and we don't have any proper regulation in the uk around it at the moment um, for what i mean the, seeing, but... the deep irony is that uh, open ai was set up to make you know friendly human loving non-horrible toxic ai right you know they they sort of they predicted that um and and now they're sort of they're allegedly governed by the same philosophy but they have a a fund funded arm we took a billion in investment from microsoft and they're going to want their money back right uh and it reminds me of that quote i don't know who it is i've heard it enough times now that it is no great business starts without a great crime <laughs> so quite what uh gen ai's great crime is i i don't know i mean you've seen those court cases around um the visual um gen ai being built on stuff from the stock sites and stuff which you know we're like yeah. you can see the logo kind of blurred in the background and and then there's people who are rightly saying look this this was inspired by my music or my creativity so i think that it's i don't think we can just walk into it without very seriously looking after the rights of the uh you know the the little guy and and the vulnerable right you know like we're all we're all adults you know we can do we can have a sensible conversation so like let let's have those but i'm anxious that the the state of what humans generally get into when something powerful comes along is a you know a power struggle in a, in a land grab and that that tends not to usually protect the people i just mentioned yeah 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 because sadly they're the, not the ones who are making all the money and i think it's interesting actually our cto gareth davies when he was talking about trends next year he mentioned open ai because i think one of the things that probably bothered him about it and around regulation everything was the ai community in the name open ai was because it was founded upon the fact of it was going to be open source and uh, the, the whole point of the AI community is to share like new neural networks that are being built, any innovations, because they're trying to grow it and learn more and help to support and build ethics and, I guess, regulation around it to make sure that everyone's following the same procedure. But more and more, because it's commercialized and, you know, billions and billions of dollars, people are taking the money and being like, we'll open it to a degree. <laughs> um, and it's like gradually getting gated, it feels a bit more... I mean, I mean, there's, there is an argument, as you said, Microsoft heavily invested in them. They're going to want money back. They're going to have to earn money at some point. It's a business. Um, how much and uh, <laughs> how much they could open up and support things? It, you know, that, there's a question mark on that, I think, still. And there's, uh, there's some, there are some green shoots there. Like, you, you can't upload a picture of a person in, at Dali. You can't say, put me on a, you know, unicorn or whatever. Like, you can use... You can tell it to come up with stuff, but it, you know that that's sensible. I think even like, a long time ago, Google from its own image recognition, I don't, it may have changed it, but it stopped reporting on when, whether someone was like male or female. Yeah, and so they like this. I think that the uh, the ethics of advertising in general as an industry is trying to go in the right direction. Yeah, um, and so I, so I don't think we're we're like running around roughshod, but um, it's yeah, it's going to take a lot of, a lot of conversation around it with the the people who have the power to change things to make sure that it it is ethical but 
you know, most humans aren't, some are, um, and those people are making the code. So it, it's, it's, it's going to produce some, some good and bad, but like any technology, any powerful technology that's in the wrong hands, it's going to do terrible things in the right hands could do beautiful things. Yeah. Uh, and probably one final point is just, do you think there's any forms of AI, AI that we will see being embedded into the work day? And I said, what kind of day-to-day work that is just going to become a habit now next year. So any key things that potentially might've happened this year, but is starting to, to become habit. Well, I use Otter a lot. I think you mm-hmm. do as well. Like it, it just automatically joins all my calls. Um, and I think people think I'm a nutcase at work. You know, they're like, why do you record all your calls? I'm like, so I can completely remember everything that was said. And, uh, and you know, it, it divides opinion. But at some point, I think that like every single conversation is going to be recorded. And then mm-hmm. there's going to be an AI or a service that is able to do something with that. Because currently it's like, um, you, know, you, you, you had a meeting about, you know, this brand and you discuss these things and and the write-ups like almost useless. I mean, I would, I would never like have to go through and and read it, but I was chatting to this lad at one of the advisory firms and he told me this really interesting story that if he's got like four people he works directly with. So what he can do is he can go, right. Has anyone got the report on so-and-so or what happened with this project? And he can get like almost hundred percent clarity back from those people. But as soon as you get outside of those four people, it's a bit like, oh mate, did you work on that thing in uh, in in India last year? And oh yeah, I've got some slides about and it's, and the further you get out, the more kind of woolly and gooey it gets. Yeah. Whereas um whereas what this guy wanted to do was because they recorded all their conversations that you create an LLM within like a kind of closed wall environment yeah so you go right have we ever worked on a fmcg campaign in india and then then it's all there in in like it's got a summary it's got a breakdown of what happened it's got the verbatim quotes it knows where all the documents are so that like when you're not in a in a call it would have all of this all of the facts but it's no one's written that it's it's been like yeah it's been pulled in from all of these different conversations um but then I'm thinking that what will happen is how that integrates into live conversations, right? So even now, I've, I can I can see your face and I can respond to you physically to a degree. But what if I was getting data on you, going, "Oh, well, you've lost him here. Like he's he's a bit bored. You know, he's looking at the fish tank, whatever. You know, or like, oh, last time, um, oh, he's got oh, he's got two kids. Like, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like last time yeah, you spoke yeah. to him. Um, you know, like we just started working with Eon. Used to work for Eon, but like my brain didn't make that leap. Even that's where we first met, as it were. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. So Back I think that I think I think these. It was a beautiful day. Um, <laughs> that these, there will be more data in the workplace about work that is used to make work better. Like yeah, the idea um, of you and me sat there with a pencil and a and a pad will seem like oh my well how are we gonna like how are we gonna do this meeting? I think there'll be this kind of meta information that's available. Certainly in the sales space, you know, like um, how how will he read in a room? So yeah, I mean, I don't. Once again, I don't think it's all going to kind of come crashing in, in in Q1. But things like Otter, like people are just happy that Otter's there, just recording recording the thing. It doesn't seem to affect the, anything anyone says, unless they go, "Can you turn it off?" In which case, that's fine. But that is a like it's a ginormous amount of emotional and business intelligence that's being kept in every call that was previously completely lost pretty much in people's notebooks. 
So yeah. I think we're going to see a, a like how how can ChatGPT or a similar model crunch all of that data to help me do a better job? How's that going to make me a, a more empathetic boss? How that how's that going to help me understand people's challenges outside of my own biases and my own yeah. like um, preferences? So I think work is going to be a very very different thing um, using this technology. I think that's a I mean really interesting point um <laughs> great one to finish up on because it's almost come come back to some of the earlier points we made around the emotional aspect of it which is it's going to let us be <laughs> better at conversations with each other because like the reality of how many conversations we have every day and how many things we do you can't remember everything um I can't as remember much people's as- names man ne- never been no. able to like, like a, hi, it's great to meet you. Um, and then like like four seconds later, I'm like, I think, you know, I really should have made an effort. But you have that with us right now. Like it's, you know, we have yeah. So I think that is the 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 very start of it. But anyway, um, I, you know, I, I wish I could go and build those companies, but I'm enjoying and very busy uh, helping run automated creative. Yeah, which I think, you know, uh, we'll also, by the way, we'll put links to automated creative into... Uh, the podcast description, and I'll, I'll put it on here as well, so we can, people go through and listen to that, and also look at the shiny object and advertising watching ads as well, um, because I think it'd be really good for people to go and check it out. Uh, I love it, and obviously sign up. Um, thanks for coming on because it's really useful, and I feel like that huge emotional ability of AI in, in the workplace, and also but just to have everything you need at your fingertips before you joined, actually. I actually kicked out my recorder <laughs> out of this chat because I'm using a different one. Uh, but I was like, oh, that's joined again. And it happened to the meet before as well. Always just jumps in with me. Um, but I, yeah, absolutely use it in some of the ways you described. And I actually didn't do that deliberately. I use Apollo, used it for a different reason. And then now it's starting to become habit. And that's what I'm noticing more and more little tools from an AI point of view and now becoming habit in my, my kind of life to basically just shortcut some things, but not shortcut them, but mundane tasks you don't need to sit and do manually anymore because it's replaced it. Um, but it's stuff that is wasted time to let you have that that broader thinking. Uh, were there any other kind of final points you wanted to to throw in before we, we wrap up? No, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much. Yeah, no, th- thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's really good chatting to you. And uh, from my point of view, love talking about marketing as well and really interested about what you're up to at the moment. Um, but yeah, obviously everyone go check out Automated Creative and thank you very much, Tom, and we'll catch up, I'm sure, very soon. And we'll get a beer as well. That would be great. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Winning With AI. We hope to catch you every single Thursday on your favourite podcast channels on YouTube and thecloudapps.com slash podcast website now please like follow subscribe and we'll see you next week thank you